ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80 and on ESPN Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas taking you up until 7 p.m. Eastern. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. You can also join the conversation. We have been talking about this disappointing Lakers team that is not going to be making the postseason. They're not even going to be in a play-in scenario in the postseason. So join us to trash on the Lakers. one 888 say espn 888-729-3776. You can tune in to the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Now, the Los Angeles Lakers were bounced from contention here, uh, even from play-in contention, because they lost last night without LeBron James to the Phoenix Suns, and then the Spurs won on the road. So that was enough to end, effectively, Los Angeles' season here a couple games early. The question remains now, what do we do from here if you're the Los Angeles Lakers? Because this has been a remarkably disappointing season, a team that didn't even make the playoffs with uh, the greatest player of his generation on the team. Brian Windhorst was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max earlier today, Harry Douglas, and I heard him say something really interesting. So I wanted to get to this Brian Windhorst sound because he led me to believe that there ain't much hope for where the Lakers are going to go from here. I think a lot of people in L.A. think that this is a catastrophe and it's an inc- incredible letdown. And here's what, I'm, here's what I'm about to soberly say. What if it's not that big of a disappointment? You know, when A.D., Russ, and LeBron played together this year, it was 21 games, okay? They were 11-10. and 10. Even when they were whole, they were only average. And that's where the problem is right now. The problem is right now is this season was a disaster, and they are handcuffed in what they can do about it. So Brian Windhorst's point there, Harry, is that it wasn't a disappointing because we've been asking, is this the disappointing, the most disappointing team in sports history? And he's essentially saying Brian Windhorst is essentially saying no, because they're not that disappointing because they finished where they should have finished. This team was like this even when they were out there together, even when Wessel Westbrook and AD and LeBron were all healthy and were on the court together. They were still 11 and 10 in those games. So they're not the most disappointing because they actually finished essentially where they should have. And then he goes on to say, though, that that is the problem, is that they are a disaster as they're currently constructed. And so there's not a ton of hope unless they make some major changes to their roster. Here's what I'm going to ask you, Amber. With this team that we've seen out there on the basketball court this season, the Lakers, if they would have had Ty Lue or Jason Kidd as their coach, do you think, just answer the question, do you think they would be in this situation that they're in right now? First of all, like, Ty Lue and Jason Kidd. Just answer the like, question, not Greg Amber. What are we doing? We're making just Ty Lue and Jason Kidd just the, the greatest the question, coaches. Amber, I just need you uh, to answer the question. No, Do you think the, the Lakers would miss the? 
do you think they would miss the playoffs if oh. Ty Lue or Jason Kidd were their coach? Yes. I, I don't I don't think that they change anything. I don't think they move the needle at all. I think the problem here Y'all is roster crazy. construction. I think even, you know, Eric Spolstra or Greg Popovich, who are elite, elite, elite coaches compared to those two guys that you just discussed, I also don't even know if they would necessarily get it done. They would maybe get them into the postseason, but they wouldn't have a successful postseason because the problem is, is the no, 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 no. The problem uh-uh. isn't. I didn't say a successful postseason. That's not what I'm saying. I said, would the Lakers be in this situation that they're in right now with any one of those coaches you just named? Do you I, believe? I believe that maybe coaching could have gotten them into, you know, a play-in. I, I, I genuinely think that the real problem here is that you have an Anthony Davis who is not durable and a Russell Westbrook who is just far too far far past his prime. And and also LeBron James who's 37 years old and, and can't be Teflon. Like those are the real problems. It's here's not the coaching. flip side of that though. Um, I do believe if, because I, I thought at a certain point, players stopped listening to Frank Vogel. Listen, they just, whatever Frank, we're going out here, we're playing, whatever it is, what it is. I don't think that would be the case with a Popovich. I don't think that would be the case with a Spolstra. I don't think that would be the case with a Jason Kidd or a Ty Lue. But it was the case with Frank Vogel. That's, that's what I'm saying. I believe that they would make the playoffs if any one of those guys were their coach. When That's Spo was saying. coaching LeBron, nobody realized how great he was outside of Miami because he was coaching LeBron, right? Like that's the LeBron effect. And part of it, and that's the effect in every, so that's not exclusive to basketball. It's not exclusive to LeBron. And LeBron but, didn't run Spo because see that, that don't transpire down there in Miami. That's, that's true. He did not. That, that was one happen. of the reasons that he probably left. Uh, yeah, but LeBron normally does have more deference, of course, over the coach than he probably did have the opportunity to have in Miami. But I guess my point is, ultimately, these guys that end up coaching LeBron, everybody always thinks that they're kind of an afterthought or a non-factor. And really, at the end of the day, it's because you have LeBron on your roster. And frankly, with the age of this team and the experience of this team, I don't know how important the coaching is. Like, coaching matters some yes but you know you're not the problem with Russell Westbrook isn't the coaching in other words the problem is the age the problem with LeBron James this season isn't the coaching the problem with LeBron James is that he's 37 years old and like putting up 30 or 40 every single night is going to take its toll on his body and the problem with Anthony Davis is just like even at 29 years old that dude has never been able to be healthy none of that is coaching in other words so but, I but don't I, know what, tell you what, what coaching difference is, coaching would have made coaching being able to reach a player on different levels, that that's important because see, but you can have all reached? those you can have all those superstars you want to have, but if a coach can't reach them outside of just basketball and reach them on every level possible, then they're just those great players. When you have some guys that can tap into a different capacity with these players, that pays dividends and means a lot more. I just don't know if I believe that LeBron James needs to be reached at this point in his career, to be honest with LeBron you. Like, I'm not even pro- sure LeBron, LeBron wasn't really problem, needs though. a coach out there. Maybe, at Russell, least not from that maybe Westbrook needed to be reached. I don't, you see I what don't, I'm saying? Really? At Russell Westbrook's age, with everything he's done, he needs to be reached? I, I, just, I have a hard time but if, believing but if you that have that's a respect, the issue. But if you have a different respect for a guy like Jason Kidd, who's been there and done it, if you have a different respect for a guy like Ty Lue, who's been to the finals. If you have a different respect for guys like that, yes, you can be reached because those guys have been in your situation and they understand where you're coming from on multiple levels. So yes, it does matter. 
yeah, I mean, I I think that when we're talking about uh, what's going to happen here with the Lakers moving forward, then yeah, you're right. Vogel's going to become a fall guy. I, I guess I just feel like that's a bit of what it is that that he's going to become the fall guy. And and frankly, I think that LeBron should shoulder a lot of the blame for what happened with the Lakers this season. But at the end of the day, the way this works is that LeBron's not going to be the fall guy. Like you and I are going to have a conversation on air about LeBron shouldering the blame, and we'll probably have that conversation all off season. But the truth is that Rob Polinka would lose his job far before LeBron did, right? Or Frank Vogel lose his job long before LeBron did. Like, LeBron is untouchable in that regard. LeBron doesn't have a no-trade clause, but the only way that he gets traded is if he wants to because that's the kind of deference that you give to LeBron James. So he's not going, even though a lot of this should probably fall on the shoulders of LeBron James, in reality, there are going to be several other fall guys around him who bear the brunt of what has happened here, and I agree with you Frank Vogel is probably going to be one of those guys tune into the ESPN daily podcast bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters presented by Supercuts download subscribe and review ESPN daily available wherever you enjoy your podcasts coming up next what is the best landing spot for DK Metcalf if he were made available this is ESPN radio ESPN radio Stephon Diggs got paid, and there are repercussions around the league. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. We are going to get to Stephon Diggs and what it means for some of these other receivers around the NFL in a second. But we have been talking a lot on today's show about these Los Angeles Lakers because they are not going to be making a play-in scenario. They're not going to be involved in the postseason. LeBron Summer can start early. He can pour himself a nice glass of wine, Harry. He can kick up his feet on his mega yacht, and he can get to it (laughs) resting his body this summer. He can also get to turning his attention onto what happens moving forward here for the Lakers, because I would imagine that there's going to be a lot of heat coming from LeBron and his entire camp and trying to get the Lakers to fix this situation. Jason is in Nebraska, though, and he doesn't think that any of this is LeBron's fault. Jason, what's going on? Yeah, so, I mean, I... I like like you said, I don't think it's LeBron's fault at all. He's done what he needed to do in terms of getting the players that he thought would make a great addition to the team. He's been having one of the greatest seasons of his career. Um, if anything, it falls on Westbrook and his shortcomings and AD and him not being healthy. Thanks for the call, Jason. I mean, the thing I would say to that, Harry, though, is, yes, LeBron brought in pieces that he thought would be a good addition to his team, and the fact that they're not, then who is to blame for that other than LeBron and, of course, Rob Polinka and maybe a little Jeannie Buss as well. But the people responsible for signing these players and putting this team together, and in part that is LeBron because of the control he has in that organization, like they are the ones then to blame when the roster doesn't work out. Yes, and they had an opportunity to get a guy that plays in Chicago, um, the mid-range assassin, and they don't have him right now. We're so, so I don't high care. on DeMar DeRozan all this time. I mean, it cracks Listen, me up. Listen, I've like- always been a DeMar DeRozan fan. I played against DeMar DeRozan growing up in AAU basketball. I've always been a fan of DeMar DeRozan, and I always thought he never got the respect that he deserved on the basketball court because he doesn't shoot threes like the game has transcended to. His mid-range game is on point and is lethal. And I thought, listen, they made the trade and they got rid of DeRozan up in Toronto and he was hurt from that trade. And then Kawhi came in and won a championship. 
But listen, DeMar DeRozan is like that, and he always has been like that, right? I just don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Now, I'm not like the other caller who thought DeMar DeRozan was going to come to L.A. and took the shine from LeBron because I think that's just nonsense, and I don't even know why he would even say that out loud to anyone because that's just bogus and just outright just crazy. I mean, but that's DeMar where the conversation is where, around DeMar DeRozan right now, right? Like, people are getting so crazy around DeRozan. I've heard some people throw him into the MVP conversation as well. The truth is, DeMar DeRozan is having a phenomenal season. He's having the best season in his career. And I'm with you. I've always thought he was very good, uh, even when he was alongside Kyle Lowry, right? And he was yep. often overlooked. But DeMar DeRozan has taken his game up another notch at 32 years old. I just don't think that... The Lakers not anticipating that kind of growth, which is unheard of at DeMar DeRozan's age. I'm not sure that is the big knock on the Lakers, frankly. I don't have a huge problem with them not bringing in DeMar DeRozan because there's also salary cap implications there, and it would have meant a three-year commitment to DeMar DeRozan. It would have meant getting rid of some of the pieces that they ended up having to get rid of anyways with Westbrook. But with DeMar DeRozan, there was a lot of moving factors, and the Lakers weren't willing to. Now, of course, hindsight being twenty twenty, yeah, like that was a mistake. But man, nobody would have thought at the time that that was going to be the big mistake. I think what you can blame for them for is the things that they should have seen coming, and what they should have seen coming is, is Anthony Davis' durability issues. Like that has been a lock since before he arrived in Los Angeles, and I do think that they should have seen that even if they're not going with DeRozan, that Westbrook is probably not the answer he, with that terribly ugly contract where if he opts in, it's what forty seven mil or whatever it is. Which I mean he'd be crazy not to opt into that at this point. And they should have known that they were going to be hamstrung because of that to that contract with a game that isn't going to age well, just because of the way that Russell Westbrook plays basketball. So I do think that there's things that they should have known here. And I don't know if I'm going to blame them for not knowing about DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, but I'll say this and I got to give, I got to give the man credit where credit is due. When you talk about DeMar DeRozan, right? Since 2012, 2013, he averaged 18 points that, uh, that season. Every season after that has been 20 and above. That, 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 that guy, the mid-range game assassin, like I love his game. He just doesn't get the respect because he's not shooting it from all the way out beyond a three-point line and making these flash plays. Listen, I, give me a guy that can put the damn ball in the bucket. When I need him to put the ball in the bucket. And DeMar DeRozan is that guy. So you can't tell me this Laker team would not be better right now if they had DeMar DeRozan versus Russell Westbrook, they would be uh, They way would better. be better. They would be better. Uh, I'm not disputing that. But also, you and I are armed with hindsight. That's all I'm saying. Like, we yes. are armed with what we know about DeMar DeRozan now coming off of Chicago Bulls' DeMar DeRozan. But, I, but I, I've known about DeRozan for a long time. Listen, he's yeah, like that. This, no, Come on, Harry. Nobody knew about this version of DeMar DeRozan. This is the best version of DeMar DeRozan he has ever been at 32 years old. Of course. Magic Johnson, But give me a guy who's efficient and averaging 20-plus points and not hitting the side of the backboard and throwing the ball on top of the backboard on a consistent basis, and I take him over Russell Westbrook. Well, and, and like I said, now it's obvious that you would take DeRozan instead of Westbrook as a fit for this team. But there are, again, there were salary cap issues with bringing in DeRozan that Westbrook didn't present those aside Magic Johnson agrees with Harry Douglas he was very critical this week when he was on Keyshawn J. Will and Max about the Lakers not bringing in DeMar DeRozan DeMar DeRozan he wanted to play for the Lakers this man is having an MVP season I got the call from his agent said hey man we want to come home 
I know Aaron Goodwin very well. He know Aaron. So he called me. I said, okay, let me call Rob. Bam. Hey, I, I passed. <laughs> I, said, I know look. No look. <laughs> I know look. I said, hey, talk to Aaron. You guys work that out. I'm out of it now. And it didn't happen. And But they were negotiating. And then here comes this Westbrook thing out of nowhere. Brian Windhorse, though, he was also on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, and he told us why Magic Johnson is wrong about the DeMar DeRozan Los Angeles Lakers take. With all due respect to Magic Johnson, he is one of the greatest point guards of all time. He is not a salary cap expert. What he was discussing this week was just incorrect. If the Lakers had traded for DeMar DeRozan, they would not have been able to keep Alex Caruso. They would not have been able to go get Buddy Heald. When you receive a player in a sign-and-trade, you trigger a hard salary cap. It's one of the things that they put in the CBA to do competitive balance. They didn't want teams like Los Angeles be able to get guys inside and trades and keep spending money. You know, they may, they may not have been able to even keep Taylor Horton Tucker and do DeMar DeRozan. So I just want that to be clear. And George Sedano was on with us as well earlier in the show. And he essentially said the same thing. The DeRozan problem was also because it was a sign in trade. So that was really the problem with bringing DeRozan into the Los Angeles Lakers. So a little bit more complicated than just DeMar DeRozan would have been better than Russell Westbrook ended up being out. for the they Lakers. Figured it out. Ask the Rams. I, we, we, I don't want to hear about no salary cap no is, more. What these I teams will tell are doing, you, I don't, the I don't Rams hear are printing money. I don't know what they're doing. Speaking of the Rams and the NFL, they are always coming up with the big bucks to pay guys and to pay vets. So darn those draft picks, right? We will talk about the NFL coming up next. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. How do you fix the Los Angeles Lakers? That is our question of the day. You can join the conversation on the Canty Collin line at one eight 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 say ESPN. That is triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas here on ESPN Radio. We're going to transition to some NFL talk, though, because the Lakers and their disappointment has been dominating the airwaves today. And for some NFL talk, we bring in Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst host, also, of course, of DC and RC. But Ryan, before I actually get to the NFL, let's just go ahead and ask you about the Lakers because everybody's talking about how disappointing this team is for not even (laughs) making a play in this season with, you know, the greatest player of his generation on the team. What are your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers right now? I mean, it can't always be showtime. Can you, I mean, at some point I think it catches up to you when you start to build a team with 18 players. Yeah. LeBron's the greatest player of his generation, but he's also 37 years old. Um, This is a guy who's been in the league 18 years and to have to do some of those things and put in all of those miles championship after championship, it catches up to you. So LeBron has missed a bulk of this season. Now when he's played, he's been absolutely phenomenal, averaging over 30 points a game and kind of willing his team to wins. But that's too difficult for him to carry Russell, who whose actual numbers aren't awful this year didn't bring some of that star power they expected him to and Anthony Davis has been hurt basically the entire year so when you kind of look at the the situation that each of these players have been in the roster that was built in Los Angeles like you shouldn't be surprised and I think what happens is we start looking at the pictures of Carmelo and AD and Braun and Russ together and we forget that it's 2022 
not 2015, not 2016. <laughs> this is an aging team. This is a team that had a lot of great players past their prime. And I think we started to see that this season, whether it was through injury or play. Now, now RC, the head coach, Frank Vogel, I think a lot of people played a part in their roles, right? Head coach Frank Vogel, I think at some point, guys started to tune him out. LeBron James, he decided to bring over Russell Westbrook when a guy like DeMar DeRozan wanted to come home. Uh, you look at Russell Westbrook not being, like you just mentioned, that star guy that they needed to add to LeBron and AD, AD being hurt. If you had to pick one person uh, to, to put the, more of the blame on, who would it be between those four guys, or do you have them collectively playing a part in, in no, this, this is, season? This is, this is a collective failure. Uh, moment truly is. I think anytime you have Bron on your team, you're going to give him input. And also, too, the back end of Russell Westbrook's year in Washington. Russ balled, bro. You know, Russ was coming through with triple doubles, averaging over 20 points a game. A guy that was finishing games for Washington along with Bradley Bill, who gets hurt, turns his ankle in the first playoff series. So that's not an act like Russell Wilson coming over this year wasn't something that was actually kind of exciting. And so now you look at this team and what they became, I think you have to blame it on everyone. You have to blame it on Frank Vogel for being such a defensive-minded coach for having a team that can't play defense. And then also fighting your offensive coaches on what they want to do and feel like is best for the team. Also putting him in a position to where you do have a Russell Westbrook now who's not playing well, who's not on the court in the critical moments of the game, who you can't play down the stretch because of turnovers. And maybe DeMar DeRozan does fit better but you had to see them both play this year because DeMar wasn't that in San Antonio and Russ was better in Washington. So I think just as a whole, man, this was something they put together and with the pieces not working, everything fell apart. So if you thought Ryan Clark was just an NFL player, an NFL analyst, uh, he just proved to you he can do it Boom. all. Jack of all trades. You can get more of that on DC and RC uh, on the podcast. All right. So, Ryan, let's talk about your bread and butter here, though, with the NFL. Stephon Diggs got paid, uh, the latest receiver to get paid. I told my co-host here, Harry Douglas, he was just born a few years too late. Stephon Diggs, <laughs> four-year, $104 million extension with the Buffalo Bills. Who's next? Are you surprised by where the wide receiver market has gone? You know, I think it's indicative of where the game is going, right? And, and now we're seeing all of these wide receivers or pass catchers have such a large impact on the game, but also their quarterbacks that you feel like they're worth the money. Think about who Josh Allen was before Stephon Diggs became a Buffalo Bill. And since, you know, since he's become a Buffalo Bill, he's a guy who's in the MVP conversation. He's a dude who's thought of along the lines of Patrick Mahomes, goes toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes in a divisional round of the playoffs this year, largely because of Stephon Diggs. Now Gabriel Davis is getting that one-on-one coverage he's able to beat late in Kansas City. Uh, Devontae Adams and what he's always meant to Aaron Rodgers. We've seen him without Devontae Adams, and he isn't the same 12. He isn't the same bad man. But when he has him, his game elevates that much. And the same thing now, they want to see that happen with Derek Carr in Las Vegas. Now you look at Tyree Kill with Tua Tungvaloa. I think all of these dudes are going to start getting money because they're realizing that pass catchers actually make quarterbacks better. Go go and figure, right? Go figure. If you have an elite, quarter, elite uh, pass catcher, you're a better quarterback. I mean, who knew that? And I think that's why these dudes are getting paid. So what's going to be – Interesting to see, though, is can you win that way? Can I win with a quarterback who has a $258 million quarterback and now a wide receiver that has a $104 million extension? 
do they generate enough offense or can we build teams around guys with contracts like that where we can win going forward? It's a little different if you're Devontae Adams because Derek Carr makes $25 million a year. Tua Tungvaloa is on his rookie deal in Miami. Kyler Murray is on his rookie deal in Arizona. But when some of these deals start to meet up on teams, let's see if they can build people around them to still win. Because if you guys remember, we were just at a point, we were talking, can you win with a big money quarterback? So now you're asking to have a big money quarterback and a wide receiver that's getting paid like quarterbacks used to. It's going to be a very interesting case study. And I think it starts with the Buffalo Bills. RC, we had a, uh, a trade transpire in the NFL between the Saints and the Eagles. Now, when you look at that trade from the Eagles standpoint, how does it impact Jalen Hurts and his future in Philadelphia? So this is what it says to me. Jalen, we're not sure you're our guy, but you got a year. And he has a year for two reasons. I don't think that they feel Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, uh, Desmond Ritter, Matt Carell give them a better chance to win this year than Jalen Hurts. And also C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are in the next draft, who seem, who both seem to be surefire stars at the next level. And so you say, okay, Jalen, we're going to grab some pieces and still put some people around you. You had a team that you took to the playoffs Last year, that was a wild card team. Show us you can be better. Show us you can progress. Show us you can be our franchise guy. Because if you can't, we push these draft picks back to next year. Now we have the capital, whether it's either get a guy in the offseason and free agency, because now I guess quarterbacks change teams, or draft one of those young guys who are in college right now. Ryan, we were talking about Stephon Diggs resetting, or not resetting, but I guess bolstering a wide receiver market that uh, got reset now a while ago uh, and continues to do so. So I asked you who was next up. I would imagine one of those guys is going to be DK Metcalf. And there is this report circulating out there that the Jets offered their 10th pick in this draft for DK Metcalf, and the Seahawks said no. Are you surprised? Do you think DK Metcalf is still going to be in Seattle when the season starts? I mean, I would have took that pick. I know that. <laughs> you know, if, 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 I'm just saying, bro. Uh, no. You know, I think, I think like the, the the crazy thing is you got DK in the second round, and so now a team is offering you a top ten pick for him. Why not take it, especially in an extremely deep wide receiver draft, and also the same year you get rid of Russell Wilson. I mean, ain't gonna be no moon balls thrown in Seattle. You might as well just clean the whole cupboard, go shopping again, and bring in some fresh groceries. Don't nobody like that old bread anyway. Especially if the peanut butter gone, you can't even make no sandwich. <laughs> and so to me, and so to me, what you do is you get rid of DK Metcalf, you add that draft capital, draft capital, and start your rebuild. You also got rid rid of Bobby Wagner. And so now, from a leadership standpoint, you're missing on both sides. And so why not uh, get that draft capital and say, okay. We can go get another guy who can be a linchpin of this team for the next four to five years, and then we re-up him and also say we can get a receiver in this draft in the second round, much like we got DK, whether it's Watkins from North Dakota State or you know some other player, and now still have someone on the outside who is a viable option for Drew Locke or whoever our quarterback is. I just don't know if they thought they could get more for him. Unless we, especially when you saw what the Bills gave up for Tyreek Hill, what I mean, what the Dolphins gave up for Tyreek Hill, what the Buffalo Bills gave up for Stephon Diggs. But I mean, to get a first round pick in return for a guy you got in the second round seems like a smart deal to me.
Well, in the 10th pick at that, but I guess maybe to your point, they want a haul. It'll be interesting to see what the Seahawks are doing moving forward. Ryan Clark, ESPN NFL analyst, host of DC and RC. Thanks so much for joining us, Ryan. Thank you, guys. You have a great day. Coming up next, what is the best landing spot for DK Metcalf? If he is available, we will finally have that conversation that Harry Douglas has been waiting for. This is ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio. It appears that Tiger Woods is going to play in this year's Masters, which is remarkable, Harry, because we are 14 months removed from discussing whether Tiger Woods was going to be able to ever walk again, where doctors were deciding whether to amputate his left leg or not after that car accident. And now here we are talking about Tiger Woods actually playing in the Masters and trying to walk all 72 if he makes the cut. Nevertheless, actually hit a golf ball. It is remarkable. But also remarkable was Max Kellerman's thoughts this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. He had some really interesting thoughts on Tiger Woods. Here's Max Kellerman. Would you not say Tiger Woods is yes. not an elite athlete? No, I would not say that. No, I would. You say, would not I say would, Tiger Woods is an elite athlete. No, I would That's say. What I, no, I would, I would say. say Tiger's Get an elite. Uh, Tiger man. is. I, that may be okay. Here, he, he may be, but Tiger. I don't think. I don't think you can demonstrate that just by playing golf. What I know about Tiger is his hand-eye is next level. His will to win is extremely yes, excellent, exactly. right? His and his mechanics. All that stuff. His mechanics are beautiful, right? Yes. All those kind of things. I don't know how fast but, he runs, how high he jumps, all that, that kind of stuff. He's doing anything about him but, being an elite no, athlete. He's got some, oh, he's has, got come some, on, Max. He's got some athletic traits in him. Come on, you man. You can look you, at him and tell. Agreed. You can yeah. look at him and tell, but you can't. You don't know that from him playing golf. I don't know how, what his time in the 40 is because stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the point is this. It is the kind of sport, Jay, that like your, your hand-eye coordination is going to age better than your explosive leaping ability, right? So therefore, just because he's 46, it doesn't mean he's done winning majors necessarily. Exactly. He can still do that. Is Tiger Woods an elite athlete, Harry Douglas? You're an elite uh, athlete. Is Tiger? Yes. I don't know what Max is talking about. And I love me some Max Kellerman, but Max is, uh, I don't know what he's thinking. Tiger Woods is an elite athlete. We got to remember now, how it is walking from hole to hole, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's that's not easy, especially at the Masters. That that is a tough thing in its in itself. But when you look at a guy like Tiger and all the things that Max mentioned, the hand eye coordination, all the things that he listed are things that elite athletes have to have. But he mentioned yeah, it's a 40. not just running and jumping, yeah. right? NBA it's not players just being don't fast. run a forty. They don't run right. a forty. That's true. You know what I mean? Boxers now, don't run a forty. In fairness, I think we all assume most NBA players are fast because we've seen them run up and down a court. But you're right. It's not the same type of thing. Every no, sport requires different. different athleticism. Yes. But Tiger it, it, Woods is an, is an elite athlete. You don't win the way he has won and not be an elite athlete. It feels like to me the conversation of is golf a sport or a game? Like that's what it feels like to me that Max Kellerman's doing. Because if you think golf's a sport – then there's no more elite athlete than Tiger Woods in his respective sport. If you think golf is just a game and doesn't require any athleticism, then first of all, you probably haven't ever played golf. But second of all, then fine. Maybe you wouldn't put Tiger Woods in that conversation of elite athlete, but I think most would. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So if you were listening to us a few minutes ago, you heard Ryan Clark on with us, and we were asking him about DK Metcalf. Because, Harry, coming off of the Stefan Diggs conversation and and contract extension there in Buffalo, 
DK is that dude. He's going to get a bag probably up next. I mean, him, Cooper Cup, there's several guys, A.J. Brown, who are coming up next. DK is in that conversation. And what's weird about what's happening in Seattle right now is why would the Seahawks want to have to pay him that if they are, in fact, rebuilding? And wouldn't you want to go ahead and trade him now before the season so that you can get what you can in return for DK instead of letting him enter a contract year? But it appears maybe the Seahawks have another plan. Because there is a report out there that the Jets were willing to trade their 10th pick in this draft for DK Metcalf and the Seattle Seahawks were not interested. So let's start here. First of all, are you shocked by that report? Do you think DK Metcalf is going to get moved? I don't know, because if they didn't take a first round draft pick, that that kind of bothered me. And I'm glad RC brought that up, because when I was looking at it, I was like, why wouldn't you? For the same reasons that RC brought up, you just got rid of Russell Wilson. I don't think you're going to have a guy that's going to be in, be in there and be able to get DK Metcalf the football the way he wants the football, or better yet, even Tyler Lockett. And Drew Lockett is just not the guy I believe in. But what I love about DK's game, I got I to gotta talk about this really quick. The man plays the game of football the way it's supposed to be played. He don't take plays off. I'm constantly seeing him getting under the DBs, a cornerback skin, by trying to block every play, blocking safeties. Uh, you see Buda Baker get an interception. What did DK Metcalf do? Hawked him down and saved the touchdown. The way he plays the game, he's big, he's strong, he's physical, he's a deep threat, he can catch underneath balls, he can do it all. I love his game. And I don't know why the Seattle Seahawks would not have taken a first round, better yet, the 10th pick overall for DK Metcalf. So now you're about to pay a guy. You don't even know who your quarterback of the future is going to be and how – uh, that's going to shape out a pan out. So why would you be paying a wide receiver that kind of money if you have a lot of unknowns in that category? You know what I mean? So go ahead and trade them and start rebuilding your organization. Now, when we go talking about teams, the Jets, I look at the Jets and teams who need receivers. The Jets do. Uh, they have Corey Davis, who I played with in Tennessee. He's good. Elijah Moore, he has to be able to stay on the football field because they drafted him last year and we didn't see much of him. Uh, Braxton Barrows, he was kind of a little bright spot for them, but I'm not putting all my marbles in a basket for Braxton Barrows. When you look at the Chicago Bears, Justin Fields, franchise quarterback, has tremendous upside. Right now they have Darnell Mooney, who I like a lot. Uh, Byron Pringle, who came over from Kansas City. And St. Brown, I believe he came over from the Green Bay Packers. You look at the Eagles, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins. They just brought over Zach Paschal from the Indianapolis Colts. I think they can use a guy like a DK Metcalf and then Green Bay, which is the most interesting spot for me. That will make the most sense for me for DK Metcalf to go to because you're playing with a guy in Aaron Rodgers who is a MVP quarterback, two-time that is, back-to-back, uh, four times total. But they only have Alan Lazard, who is no slouch, uh, Mari Rodgers, and Randall Cobb. He would be a star in the Green Bay Packers offense, and they would force feed him, and he has the side and speed to do everything that they want to do offensively. There's two scenarios here for me with what's happening with Seattle. One is that they're not willing to trade, trade DK Metcalf because they're thinking that they are going to use him to help 
whoever they have under center. And we are seeing it with the two Atungavaloas of the world. You bring in Tyreek Hill, you give him all the weapons you can to make him look better. Now, I'm not saying that plan is with Drew Locke, but maybe that plan is, you know, who they draft at quarterback or where they go from here in Seattle. And they recognize, hey, we're not going to get a weapon better than DK Metcalf, so we might as well go ahead and keep the guy that we have. But it's hard to imagine that if they are in a total rebuild, which seemingly they are, although I know Mina Kimes has disputed that and, and said that that there are some signs here that maybe they're not. If they are in a rebuild, then definitely they have to move DK. And so the second thing that could have happened here is that they weren't interested in the Jets just offering 10 because maybe that was all the Jets offered. And maybe they were looking at like a Tyreek Hill trade where the Dolphins gave up five picks in return to the Chiefs for Tyreek Hill, including a first rounder. Now, given the Dolphins first rounder was the number 29th pick in this year's draft, it wasn't mm-hmm. the 10th pick in this year's draft. So that's very important here, but it's not like Tyreek Hill didn't garner a first rounder and then four other picks in addition to that. So maybe they want a haul, but I think that you bring up the Packers to me is the place that makes the most sense destination wise, because also to that point in terms of picks, the backers are loaded with two first rounders after they traded Devon. Adams to the Raiders so they have the flexibility in terms of picks to trade as well and then like you said the fit in Green Bay is a phenomenal one and one that Aaron Rodgers desperately needs after losing Devontae Adams now the problem for the Packers is can they pay DK I mean they're up against the cap prior to any trade here but it always seems like to me Harry where there's a will there's a way in terms of the NFL salary cap Yes, I'll throw another team out there really quick. The Indianapolis Colts. That's a team that I think that can use a guy like DK Metcalf and really, really turn some heads. And right now they have Michael Pittman Jr., you have Paris Campbell. But uh, DK Metcalf in that system with a guy like Matt Ryan who – who's going to throw the ball on time and give his receivers an opportunity with a Jonathan Taylor in the backfield with that offensive line, I think that would pay dividends for the Indianapolis Colts as well. There's one other team we haven't discussed. Uh, I don't really like it as a destination, uh, but uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, they are in a position without Tyreek Hill where, listen, Velda Scantling, like he, he ain't filling that Tyreek Hill void completely, whereas somebody like DK Metcalf would go a much longer way in doing that. That being said, and, and Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid, like they have shown a propensity to wanting to be deep at that position. Now, that being said, of course, this draft is supposed to be very deep at that position. So I think it would be more likely instead of having to pay somebody uh, like uh, DK Metcalf that they would probably want to draft somebody on a rookie deal. Coming up next, as the regular season winds down, can the Nets still put it together in the East? <laughs> 